All right, Lisa. So we are freshly returned from Outspoken in Tempe. And I made the mistake of thinking that I'm much younger than I actually am and took a red eye back home, getting me home at 7 a.m. on Sunday morning. What a huge mistake, because now that means I sound like I've been a smoker for a very long time based on my voice right now. So, but I'm going to press my way through this podcast because I think it's really important for us to go back over some of the highlights that we experienced. I know there were some sessions that I got to sit in on that you didn't and vice versa. So I thought this would be a great time while it's fresh in our memory to kind of think through what we experienced and outspoken, what we're looking forward to, and uh, what were some highlights for both of us. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. And I'm sorry to hear that you're sick. I did wonder why. um, Oh, see, I'm happy to be back with my dogs, but of course they bark immediately as soon as I unmute. So (laughs) they are, look, they are co-hosts on the podcast. Everybody knows this. They are co-hosts. So yes, I'm sorry to hear you're sick. Um, I wondered why on earth you decided to get a flight from uh, 12 midnight, but you know, each to their own. I knew you had stuff going on on Sunday, including a trip to the movie theater to see a certain Black Panther movie. Yes, indeedy. Yes, indeedy. <laughs> but that is yes. probably a discussion for another time. So let's let's jump into the outspoken highlights. I'm Dr. Shauna Payne Gold, and I go by she/her/her her pronouns. And I'm Dr. Lisa Ingefield, and I go by she/her/hers. Welcome to Unfazed, a podcast to disrupt your normal and challenge your brain to go the distance. We are so excited about TryHard's new active foot care kit. Lord knows my feet need plenty of TLC after what I put them through. Included in the kit is an active foot soak, active foot exfoliating soap, and active foot pre and post workout spray. The foot soak gently cleanses and dries out blisters while relieving pain, itch, and eliminating odors. The exfoliating soap, which includes a pumice stone, prevents calluses, eases pain, and prevents the formation of bacteria causing fungus. And last but not least, the pre and post workout spray prevents blisters and irritation. Just spray it on your feet before working out. Once you're finished working out, you can also use it to disinfect and deodorize your shoes and feet. It's self-care season, so go ahead and treat yourself to some try-hard products. Use the code STAYFEISTY20 for 20% off the active foot care kit or any other products at tryhard.co. That's STAYFEISTY20 for 20% off at tryhard.co. Whether you're competing in a triathlon or swimming to challenge yourself, Orca has fit-for-purpose swimwear designed to meet your needs. Innovation has always been part of Orca's DNA, and when it came to the development of their new triathlon wetsuits, a wide range of skill levels and different types of triathletes were taken into account. Whether you're looking for maximum flexibility, maximum buoyancy, or somewhere in between, Orca wetsuits are designed to help you achieve better performance in the water. It is performance made simple. For 15% off all items at orca.com, use the code IRONWOMEN15. So Lisa, yes, we had a time in Tempe. 
And, you know, I think what was so awesome about uh, Outspoken this year is something that I think was going to happen automatically, which is people are just very glad not to be on Zoom. How about that? They're glad to be in person. They're happy to congregate with one another and really just be around one another, make connections, automatically know that this is probably someone attending Outspoken because they have on this backpack or that shirt or that sweatshirt. They just automatically know. It's almost like you recognize your own kinfolk once you're around one another. So that was one of the major highlights that we can't skip over is just being physically together when last year we were unable to be. So I'm really grateful for that piece of the puzzle, Lisa. Yeah. And it's interesting because this was the fifth year that we've run Outspoken, right? But um, 2018 and 2019 were in person, 2020 and 2021 were not. And then obviously with 2022 being back in person, we had um, forgotten, I guess, that it was the fifth year that we were running the summit, which just seems unbelievable in many ways. I mean, so much has happened over the last five years, but not being a little square face on a computer screen, I think, definitely meant a lot to people. So there was a little bit of a reset with getting people kind of who are venturing out of their homes, coming back in person. Um, And we expanded to endurance sports. So beyond just triathlon. So we're looking at women across all types of endurance sport now, which I think is pretty awesome um, in terms of bringing more perspectives and voices and ideas to the, to the forum. So I am looking forward to hearing, Shauna, what for you were your highlights? So you want to start us off? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there were so many highlights for me. I think, you know, for me, despite uh, me actually participating on the panel, I really do feel like the the Business of Fitness podcast launch as what now, the 10th podcast under Feisty Media, I think that was the most fun for me and one of the highlights for me, uh, not just because I was participating, but because it's very rare that I get to be around all female business owners that are trying to figure it out and they have their guard down to be able to talk about what they're learning along the way. And so being able to sit on a on a panel that could freely talk about those issues, talk about the imposter syndrome that comes with that business owner perspective, that to me was one of my favorites. And, you know, I'm I'm still kind of dumbstruck by the fact that so many people actually logged on and hung on the entire time. I believe the podcast went well over an hour for this launch. And so the fact that people listened in, they are still watching uh, on YouTube because the link is on YouTube. Actually, Lisa, I can uh, add it to the show notes for this week. Uh, the link to go back and watch the YouTube. But yeah, that was part of my, um, one of the highlights of my weekend. And that started our time off, which I think is great. Yes, we had the 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 rooftop reception, of course, but when it was time to get down to business, you had a panel full of business owners talking about the highs, the lows, the realities, the challenges, and we don't get to hear that too often. So I was really grateful for that experience. Uh, as one of the first, one of my yeah. first anyway. Yeah. And I think we've done an episode on imposter syndrome at some point in the yeah. past. And I did think it was really special to have all women talking about the ways in which they feel sometimes like they don't belong and that they don't have the skills or the knowledge, because I know I have 
felt that way on numerous occasions. And um, so had many of the other folks in the room and being vulnerable in that way, as you were, Shauna, along with other folk kind of sharing funny anecdotes and sharing advice about how to manage that, I think goes a really long way to both normalizing imposter syndrome for women in business, but also kind of pulling the veil back on it, right? Like pulling the curtain back like the Wizard of Oz, right? That it's actually not this big, bad, scary thing. Um, and there is a way to overcome it instead of being um, kind of pushed down by it. And you had said something that I wrote down during that um, launch that I thought was really profound. And it was something to the effect of, I'm going to butcher it, that, um, you know, the more the more you believe in imposter syndrome, the more you isolate yourself, but then the more you isolate yourself, the greater the imposter syndrome becomes or something like that. And I just thought that was a really, really important observation. Yeah. Yeah. The, the imposter syndrome, I feel feeds off of isolation because then you're sitting in this situation where you still feel like you're the only one who doesn't know, or you're the only one that doesn't have the skill sets or everybody else knows something that you don't. And once you get out of that isolation you and you get around other people, that's when you realize, you know, you're in a room of a hundred entrepreneurs and 99 of them also don't know and are looking for answers on that particular topic. And so for me, I think it's really important to stay in community. And that is something that I think, you know, outspoken clearly speaks to, obviously. But from a business perspective, yeah, you know, everybody thinks, okay, well, everybody understands finances except me. Everyone understands the spreadsheets, but me. Everyone understands taxes, but me. And that's just simply not true. There's, I think it's a matter of getting around people who are asking the same questions as you and then making the connection to the people who have the answers. But, you know, the, the, what's that phrase? The confused mind does nothing. You know, when you're confused and you're not quite sure what to do, you sit there kind of frozen and you don't get yourself out of your situation and you continuously feed that imposter piece. So, you know, it, nothing helps more than getting around other people that know just as little as you do. And so then mm -hmm. you can team up together and ask the right, right. questions. You, right. You, that's, I think that's the key is asking the right questions because no one knows all mm -hmm. the answers to all this stuff. Yeah. And one of the other things, actually, now we're talking about this and I'm remembering the the panel and thinking about, you know, moments that struck me was also the conversation around fake it till you make it. And whether that's actually a good mantra to have, right? Um, and I, I have said that like recently, you know, like sometimes, which is probably fed by feeling like I'm an imposter, right? Well, I'm just going to fake it till I make it because that's what a dude would do, right? And I'm just going to keep forging forward and then, you know, go to the Google or to the books or to Shauna <laughs> and ask a question if I don't know something after the fact. But what, what was your takeaway from that discussion on the panel about whether or not faking it till you make it is a is a good way to think about it? Well, you know, I think what was most profound for me about that piece of the conversation was that I never have heard, in my recollection, I have never heard a man say, I'm just going to fake it until I make it. In every instance, it's been a woman saying it. And so that's not to say that men aren't out there faking it till they make it too, but it's not a concept for them to think about because society isn't built 
to think that men don't know something or can't do something or can't be something. And so given that, I think that unfortunately it's become a mantra amongst women that we shouldn't use because again, like I said during the panel, the more you fake it, the more you repel the resources that can give you the answers. But the longer that you know yeah, you remain yeah. this actress of, oh, I know how to do everything, then no one comes to provide information or no one is attracted to you to provide information, insight, et cetera, because you're giving off this air of knowing everything. And so it's better to be in a situation where, no, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you can attract the people that have the knowledge that you need. So fake it till you make it is it's a really interesting construct, but I think it's a very gendered construct at the same time. Yeah. You make a really good point around, I don't know that I've heard a guy say that. I think maybe I have assumed that they don't say it out loud, but that's what a lot of men are doing. Right. right, But that we hear it shared by women verbally more often is a really good point. I think, um, you know, one of the things that I often struggle with as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, is the finances piece of it, right? How do I bring in money, raise money, sell myself, sell the services? And so one of the sessions that was really um, valuable for me was by Stacey Perlis, who is the VP of Finance at Wahoo. And she did a piece around the art of fundraising and went over kind of the, the various levels of fundraising, Um or bringing in money, which could be like charitable donations, sponsorship, um, loans, like taking on debt through a bank or investment, um, equity investment. And it was just a kind of conversation that I've not participated in before in terms of even thinking about why would I need a loan? How would I go about getting equity investment in my business? Would that be valuable or needed? And kind of that the relation relational piece, right? in terms of then what would I owe the person, you know, the the bank, you owe them the money back, right? But if someone invests in your business, you know, is it a say in decisions? Is it shares? Is it some, you know, expectation of something else? And it was, you know, I just think a really important conversation and area of knowledge growth for me and other women um, in the room, it was a busy session. So I know. I don't think you mm. attended that one. Or did you attend that one, Shauna? You did. Yeah. Yeah. I sat in on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know what I think is really interesting about that particular session too, is that it's almost a foregone conclusion that people assume that women don't have the financial expertise to run the back end of the business. It's. It feels like it's usually, okay, the, the women are the service providers and the relationship builders. But when it comes down to the hard numbers, it's almost the assumption that women aren't going to have a hand in that. And once again, this goes back to the book that I've I've been telling you about that I've been reading on uh, Everyone Should Be a Millionaire that's written by a Black woman. And she uses the first couple of chapters of her book to talk about the historical disenfranchisement of women from finance in general, whether it's you know, you had to get your husband or your dad to sign off for you to get a credit card type thing. Um, definitely couldn't get a mortgage loan, those types of things. Even if we are as a gender, and I don't know this, even if we had data to prove that women were less adept in finance and fundraising, there's a historical reason why. 
And so being very clear on that why so that we can continue to work against that uh, that current of history that a lot of women aren't aware of. And so I there, there's legitimate historical reasons as to why we may be a couple of steps further away from finance than men are and kind of being aware of that as we kind of learn more and mm-hmm. uh, get the professional development that we need to know about those areas. So I, I thought Stacy did a fantastic job with her presentation. It was great. Yeah. And I think you and I have talked about this on the pod before too, that our current reality and the inequities we see, whether that's in access to sport, knowledge about sport, knowledge about the business of sport, they're historically located, right? So that's the argument you're making there is that even if um, as a gender, uh, women um, struggle more around finance, generally speaking, that's not because women as a gender are less capable. It's because they have been historically excluded, right? So they're playing catch up as a group. And that's, that's true across multiple groups and multiple issues. And I think being reminded of that is always really important, particularly when we're thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And and knowing that we're jumping into a, a stream of history, you know, once again, a stream of history that many women may not be aware of. And so, you know, with that, that doesn't mean less capable. It simply means lack of historical access. And so now that we're getting this information, it's what do we do with it? So when you have someone who is, a CPA that's a woman that's willing to talk to us about these topics, we should listen in um, because this is our opportunity to catch up on some of these, uh, some of the issues, some of the language, what's the, and frankly, let me take another step back on the finance piece. Yes, when it comes to general finance, we may be historically behind due to access, that's documented. But when it comes to things like taxes, the tax code changes frequently. So given that, everybody's playing catch up in those areas, right? And so given that, just being aware that, again, sometimes you simply need the resources. And I think, unfortunately, what happens, and this could apply directly to finances, is that we as women make a leaping assumption that we have to be everything in our business. And when I look at men and their businesses, Men pull together really good teams, oftentimes filled with women, that help them to do their work. And that's where I think everything crumbles for women in business is that assumption that we have to do everything. No, you don't have to do everything. But as a CEO, as the business owner, your job is to build the team of people who have the skill sets that you need, including some of the things that Stacy talked about with the art of fundraising having someone that's well adept in money and finance and relationship building, friend raising, all of those pieces. And so I I like the reminder that she kind of gave us that, look, I'm a CPA and I'm constantly trying to keep up with these topics. And this is my full-time job. I do this every day, all day. And I'm still trying to keep up with tax codes, et cetera. So how can you, as a very busy CEO, where finances are only a slice of your job description. How do you think you're going to keep up with it when I do this full time? You need a team. You you need a team that's going to surround you to do the work well at a very high level. So she did a really great job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, 
you had gone to a session that I didn't go to around sport and professional growth, right? And it sounds like that was a pretty good one you want to share? Yeah, Poppy Sports did a really great presentation on using sport for professional success. And I really enjoyed the session because uh, we had an opportunity to look at language that uh, is used by women, women, female athletes, to serve as inspiration to what they do. And when I looked at this list of words, it applies directly to anything that we could do even outside of outside of sport, whether it's within your business, whether it's as a professional working in another business, all of those things we use. And so, Lisa, I remember when I first started doing anything Iron Man branded. And it used to be the running joke that, you know, do I include my Iron Man on my resume? Do I include my Iron Man on my CV? And it used to be funny then. Now, I don't see it as funny anymore because it's not really about the Iron Man. It's about the characteristics of the training and the execution of the of the race that applies to everything that you do. So being calm under pressure. Well, I need that whether I'm jumping in the water or whether I'm going into a big budget meeting. I need that skill. There's just so many different pieces of that language that was so useful to every other area of business and life. And so that was extremely helpful to me personally, as I just started thinking about those characteristics. And then I'm looking at the handout that we were given. I, I really appreciated kind of the training format that we use in sport that can also be used in professional development. So for example, starting with your base skills and then determining what your goals are going to be first, and then transitioning into who are going to be your stakeholders or your mentors in this process, because you need someone that's going to be a knowledgeable companion along the way, right? And then moving into your work blocks or your building blocks, you know, whether it's your your base work or whether it's a big block of training that you're building on. You need that. That may be another certificate or a degree or whatever it might be that's your big building block of knowledge. And then moving into kind of your, your peak weeks, if you will, getting to some of those major goals and deliverables professionally until finally you've gotten to that A race or that big goal at the end. I thought it was seamless. It was a seamless process that we as athletes are extremely used to in the athletic world. We just didn't see the link between this and our yeah, professional world. Absolutely. So I, I thought it was seamless. I thought it was just seamless. Um, and so I, I plan to use this in a lot moving forward. But um, I think Melanie did an exceptional job just making that so applicable to what we already do as athletes. It was really great. Mm -hmm. I do think that we probably don't pull on our athletic activities, performance, racing, training, whatever piece of it, right? Enough when we think about our professional lives. Um, and I too probably wouldn't list some of the things on my resume, but you're right. I mean, that's one tiny example, right? But your, your point or the point that Melanie made is that those characteristics that we draw on in the endurance sports space are absolutely golden in the business space, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Just like even, you know, even the, for example, resilience, of course, that was on that list. Well, you know, 
How many times did you DNF on that particular extremely difficult course? How many times you're going to go in and ask for that uh, that raise? The, the very same characteristics you're experiencing in both settings, but using them for different purposes. Like it was pretty profound. And I usually don't make those types of connections in my brain because sometimes I keep athleticism and my professional persona relatively separate, but it's so easy to make it seamless. And so I like the way that the the line of delineation was completely blurred. And, and I think it should be that way. I think it should be that way. So she did a great job. Mm. You know, that connects actually really nicely with the other piece that I wanted to mention, which was Zsa Zsa Porter's uh, keynote at the awards ceremony that we had on Sunday. Um, we're going to we're gonna get Zsa Zsa on the podcast to have a longer conversation with her so that you all can learn from her wisdom. But she shared five ways to level up your business and um, used her own personal experience. Now, Bear in mind, Jaja is currently a five-time Ironman finisher, and next week, as of the date of this pod recording, is going to be racing Ironman Cozumel, so we'll be a six-time uh, yes, Ironman yes. finisher in addition to 4,000 other things that she's done. Um, but the piece that really struck me about what she shared was around knowing your why, because she entered the restaurant business with very little to no restaurateur or kind of professional chef experience um, and got a lot of questions from people about why she was doing that. Does she really know what she was doing? Like, you really want to do that? You're going to do that during COVID? Like, why? Right. But she was really connected to why she wanted to open a vegan restaurant in particular and where she wanted to open it. She opened it in a place that has a complete lack of um, access to fresh fruits and vegetables. So there's very few grocery stores and what grocery stores exist do not have a lot of um, vegetables and or fruit. And so she purposefully opened this vegan restaurant in this location so that the community there would have a means to get um, food that wasn't, you know, really highly processed and was made with love, right? And that piece, I think, is really important, particularly for women business owners, because I think that it's not that I don't think that we're connected to our why. I think that we are. But I think for women, it gets, um, like, manipulated in terms of um, it's not about being driven, right? It's not about wanting to um, be the best or be at the top, or at least that's not how the narratives are. It's more about helping people and doing it because you um, are a kind person. And there are these other kind of narratives that are in the universe around women and business that I think are problematic. And I think that why sometimes the expectation is that it's not about making money, which it can be, and that's okay. It's about helping, right? And for Zsa, Zsa it was about helping, but it was also about really wanting to uh, achieve and do this really important thing, right? So I'm not sure if I explained myself very well there, but it just made me think about the ways in which the stories that we tell ourselves and we tell others about why we choose to do the things that we do in relation to business, I think differs between 
men and women and folks of other genders. And I think that difference is created in our culture based on how our culture categorizes how people of a certain gender should behave, if that makes sense. Yes, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. And the and how we personally reinforce those stories right, that right. may or may not be true. I just heard a quote yesterday that said, sometimes the enemy is the inner me, right? So it's Ooh. the, yeah, it's the, the inner person that's telling you a story that may not be true. And so it's almost like that you know, that myth that no one has ever really personified, but it keeps chasing you around. And so when do we get to the place where we decide to retell that story in a way that's more factual and more truthful to who we want to be as business owners, as athletes, as women, as friends, as whomever, retelling that narrative in a way that's more accurate. So I, I love your point there. And yes, Jaja must be on this podcast as soon as humanly possible. We'll we'll let her recover from uh from her race. But as soon as she's recovered, we'll we'll bring her on for sure. But yes, I think that's fantastic. So all in all, outspoken was awesome. I mean clearly I'm biased because I am one of the founders, yes. but um it was yes. so great to be back in person. It was so great to see everyone and feel the energy that was there and yes. um you know people laughed and cried and they learned and they made connections and they have yes. a to-do list of things to help build their business and, and develop their leadership skills. And so um you know, it just that in and of itself just felt really, really um, special to be in that space once again. All right, Lisa. Well, as usual, we have our hell yeah and our hell no nah of the podcast. Hell yeah. Hell no. Nah. Um, in order to save us from ending on a terrible note i'll go ahead and get the hell no nah out of the way first, all right okay and then we can end with the hell yeah if that's all right with you um yeah this week has been once again tragic uh in a very similar way it feels like groundhog's day sadly but um lisa a lot of people will not know this until the until they hear this podcast but uh just to give you the timing of what's going on here 48 hours before our recording of this podcast, unfortunately, a young man uh, who was a former football player at the University of Virginia uh, took the lives of three current football players and also two others were injured. Lavelle Davis Jr., Devin Chandler, and Deshaun Perry all perished uh, less than 48 hours ago. Now, yes, this is horrible. Once again, um, this is not the first mass shooting in Virginia at a higher education institution either. Uh, we all know of the Virginia Tech massacre. Um, but what was really rattling for me, Lisa, is that the University of Virginia is one of my clients. And so this week, I was prepared, locked and loaded, ready to go, um, to go down and work with several offices that I've been working with for almost two years now. 
and would finally be our first in-person. So since we were just talking about outspoken, finally being in-person, I was going to finally be able to be in-person with um, these staff members that I've been working with for now 18 months, almost two years. And we were going to be doing a lot of great team development, professional development, developing mission, vision, statements, et cetera. As you can imagine, there's probably no way in the world that anyone's mind could be focused enough to think about those issues with a tragic loss of life on campus. And so with that, it's heartbreaking uh, because when I used to work at UVA as a campus minister, those years that I worked as a campus minister, that overlapped with the time of the Virginia Tech massacre. So anytime I've worked closely with Virginia, unfortunately, it's overlapped with a time of tragedy. Um, and so given that, um, my heart goes out to those folks. Um, it's a conundrum. It, it's a conundrum because um, now we know of three Black male lives that are no longer two people that are injured and a young man that we're trying to figure out the whys, the hows, the what fors. Um, and it's pretty tragic. Uh, people are shaken. Um, I have a very close friend of mine whose son is on the football team and he graduates in May and he's rattled to the core uh, leading up to final exams. I'm not sure how any student can focus on anything at this point. Last night, it was a beautiful vigil uh, on grounds, but as you can imagine, this is heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Um, I haven't gotten to the point of anger yet, but um, the the deep sadness knowing that we've been past this rock before um, is really challenging for me. So let me just say that's a huge hell gnaw um, and hoping and praying for healing overall for University of Virginia, state of Virginia, my home state, as y'all know, I talk both good and bad about my home state, um, but this is a time where it's not a laughing matter and it's not a joke um, of how devastated the entire state is around the issue. So uh, I wish them well, and I'm looking forward to giving all my buddies and, and colleagues a big hug once I'm able to get down there. Yeah, thanks for that. I appreciate that personal connection that you share too, um, because this, the, this, horror really impacts people in different ways. You don't have to be physically present at the location for there to be a ripple, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. So we'll end on uh, a hell yeah. We have two um, in, in an attempt to balance out to uh, this week. So the first one is um, a, a woman named Michelle Browder um, is a, uh, an activist um, in Alabama, and uh, it's funny. I always say Alabama like there's an er on the end, and there is not. And I feel like that's my Britishness right there, saying with that. No, so Alabama um, is turning a building that was formerly used to experiment on enslaved Black women into a clinic, and the clinic's name is the Mothers of Gynecology Health and Wellness Clinic. And so it is an example of taking something that was horrific and re-envisioning and repurposing the space to support women who um, have a lack of access to healthcare, who have poor um, uh, maternal mortality, um, given how bad that is in the United States. And so she has raised 
the money and is turning this clinic, creating this clinic in Alabama. And I think that's just fantastic. I think that's fantastic because talk about um, doing something, you know, right. Doing something and making a meaningful change in that community. And that clinic is going to help thousands of women. And so that is pretty exciting. Um, the second thing, the second thing is a sports related. Um, it's the WTA has started a program to increase the career pathways for women into coaching professional tennis. So this program is called the coach inclusion program, and it includes training certification and shadowing a current coach and professional player at a tournament. So the WTA, uh, leadership, really is trying to um, move the needle and encourage more women to take up professional coaching as a career path, right? Not something that they're doing on the side, that this is an opportunity for you for a full-time career professional um, opportunity. So I think that's really great. And I think we need to see more of it because we know that there's a dearth of women at professional coaching levels across all sports. And so to see another organization actually creating a program that is intended to change that reality is heartening, you know, and tennis is very white and very male at the coaching level. So this is, we'll see how this, this uh, plays out. This is fantastic. Oh, let me tell you, both both of these are fantastic. I'm really excited uh, to see this happening for WTA. And let me just say, as a Black mother who had complications with both of my sons and things could have went a different way for me and for both of them, I am personally just deeply touched by the Mothers of Gynecology Health and Wellness Clinic. So that is just incredible. And Lisa, I feel like we have so many field trips. Like we, we've said that we're going to have all these field trips that result from the podcast. Maybe we can have this, like, you know, the, you know, how go uh, Oprah and Gail had like their tour across the country or something. We're, we're going to do something like that one day when we get the money together. Um, we want to stop into that clinic and, and thank them for all that they're doing. But these are amazing. Hell yes. This is a good balance from last week, Lisa. So this is incredible. I'm so excited. Whether you run, ride, hike, or swim, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging genetics and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. I love the meal recommendations that come with the analysis. It prompted me to add salmon into my meal rotations, and I am loving it. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty. That's insidetracker.com forward slash feisty, and then use the code feisty at checkout. Unfazed, a podcast produced by Feisty Media and supported by the Outspoken Summit. Edited and produced by the fabulous Millie Perry. Email us at info at unfazedpodcast.com and find us on social media at try to defy at Dr. Gold Speaks 
or at Outspoken Women and Try. I'm Lisa. I'm Shauna. Thanks for listening. Stay unfazed, folks. See you next time.